Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Not a good day to be a UGA hater, I can tell you that much. Dogs standing tall in Charlotte over the weekend, getting a win against Clemson. Y'all, I am so excited to talk about all of this with you. Uh, What a day it was. Honestly, first of all, let me start with this. Huge thanks to everybody who made Dog Nation Invasion so much fun on Saturday. I'm talking about the people on our side who were doing the hard work on that, but also the, the, the bosses who even let us do something fun like that on a game day, and all of you who came out. Yeah, great shot, by the way of everything that went down uh that's the early stages of that tailgate there on saturday you better believe that thing got cranked up in a big way before game time the barbecue man the smoke coming off that grill was so so much fun to smell and enjoy and uh enjoy the uh, great food there appreciate sweet lou's helping put us uh, all together for that of course the uh, finished long drink and the uh, classic city lager and a lot of our great beverage partners man that was uh flowing everybody's having a good time with that it was just a, a great time all the way around, and really the start to what turned out to be a, a terrific day for Dog Nation, terrific day for everybody lucky enough to be in the stadium there, uh, getting ready for uh, Georgia Clemson. It was just a blast all the way around. I loved every minute of it. It was an unforgettable day from beginning to end all the way around. Just an incredibly great time, and obviously the game itself, the result is what really makes that uh, true. And boy, look at that! For those watching video, look at that smoke coming off that uh, that barbecue grill there as the uh, brisket and the and the pork being finished off. Man, uh, that was so much fun! Such a, a great time all the way around. And look, there are a lot of people out there. I mentioned the Georgia haters a moment ago. There are a lot of Georgia haters out there who are like. You know, what happens to all these five stars once they get to UGA? You know, Georgia recruits all this talent, but what does it do with that talent? What happens to all these five stars? And I say this all the time, and it's important to remember this. This has remained true, and Saturday, the proof of this was was really put on full display. When people say, what happens to all these five stars once they get to Georgia? One of the things I tell people all the time is, well, you should know that a lot of those five stars are still at Georgia. And a lot of those five stars are waiting their turn and have been waiting their turn for a chance to be on the field and dominate. I, I joked about this on Twitter last night. You see Jermaine Johnson, who I've got great respect for as a player. I mean, he may be the best defensive player in the ACC, <laughs> the way he was getting after uh, Notre Dame quarterback Jack Cohn last night. And when you think about Jermaine Johnson doing what he did at Florida State last night, uh, what the other guys at the outside linebacker spot did for UGA uh, against Clemson, you're left to assume, well, I guess a guy like Aziz Ojolari who – uh, you know, went on to be a very high draft pick and, you know, a guy that was obviously leading the Georgia defense a year ago. I guess he must have been pretty good to be starting over these guys and having the success he had for Georgia a year ago. And as Kirby Smart has said, now Aziz is gone and now it's somebody else's turn. Former five-star Nolan Smith sacked a quarterback. Former five-star Trayvon Walker, who is a defensive end, but Kirby Smart said will statistically fill some of the void left behind by Ojolari. He sacks a quarterback. Former five-star N'Kobe Dean sacks a couple of quarterbacks. He sacked the same quarterback a couple of times, I should say. Jordan Davis, not a five-star, but by this point in time, he essentially is one because he's a future first-round pick. And obviously, uh, the Georgia coaching staff made it very clear they had him identified as a big, you know, key guy for Georgia all the all the way along. He gets a couple of sacks of quarterbacks. All in all, Georgia sacked the quarterback seven times on Saturday. It's the most any quarterback has been sacked by uh 
Clemson or against Clemson in the Dabo Swinney era. That is how dominant the Georgia defensive performance was on Saturday. No quarterback who's played for Dabo Swinney since Swinney's been the coach of the Tigers has been sacked as much as DJ Uwe Unglele was on Saturday night. And that is going to be a problem. Because a lot of folks kind of from like 10,000 feet away, if you watch this game on Saturday, but you didn't really watch it close, I think there's a temptation to say, oh, this is the Georgia we've seen before. Really good on defense, not very much on offense. And over the course of the week, we'll obviously get into the offensive stuff and kind of where Georgia needs to go on that side of the ball. I promise you we'll do a lot of that. But you've got to stay on this defense for a long time here today because if you think this is what the Georgia defense has been, you are not paying close enough attention. Georgia, statistically speaking, has been good defensively. But what you saw on Saturday wasn't a good defense. What you saw on Saturday was a defense that's essentially playing offense. I mean, think about this for a moment. What's the job of an offense in just basic, simple terms? It's to move the football down the field. Well, guess what the Georgia defense was doing on Saturday with all of its tackles for loss and sacks and all the havoc kind of plays it was producing? Forget the fact that it also had a defensive score. Just think about all the sack yardage accumulated over the course of the game. That's the Georgia defense moving the football in the direction Georgia fans wanted to go there as well. That is a defense so aggressive that it's actually playing offense. That's a defense so aggressive that it's a threat to score on defense in every game here this year. That's what's being produced. And it's being produced by the mindset of Dan Lanning, and I've said it a million times, that Georgia keeping Dan Lanning this offseason. You know, I, I think that Kansas always wanted a current head coach to take over its job there because of what a mess that program was in. So I don't really know how close Lanning came to taking the Kansas job. But I do know that he, you know, had a real chance to go be Texas' defensive coordinator and work with Steve Sarkeesian. And Georgia money whipped the Longhorns and kept uh, Lanning in place here. And we said at the time that was a big deal for Georgia. Because the thing that I like about Lanning, even in a year like 2020, where statistically Georgia wasn't nearly as good defensively, and certainly in big games as we're used to Georgia being, but there was a mindset that evolved for Georgia last year. And we said this a lot throughout the year in 2020, that Georgia was becoming more of a pass rush mindset type team. Go back and watch. You can go to the Dog Nation YouTube page. You can see this for yourself. Go back and watch the press conference that Lanning gave at the start of summer practices where it was kind of his, you know, kind of state of the defense type press conference for the for the season that was on the way. Go back and listen to everything that Lanning says in that press conference. We said this at the time. The words that Lanning used are just dripping with havoc rate, sack, tackle for loss. These are words that Lanning is using over and over again. That is what matters to him. He doesn't want Georgia just to be, uh, hey, you know, bend but don't break or or let's be gap sound. And I always say that in a sarcastic way. I, I, I totally understand that, foot, that football fundamentals matter. I, I understand that. But Lanning wants to be more than that, my eyes tell me. Lanning wants to be more than just 11 defenders standing in the right spot, 11 defenders keeping contained, and 11 defenders keeping the football in front of them. Lanning wants to break things. Lanning wants to, to send linebackers on a mission to go after quarterbacks. And it's fun to watch. I mean, when you see the impactful way that all these guys were playing for Georgia on Saturday, it's transfixing. I mean, you can't take your eyes on all of these elite athletes like missiles shooting after a quarterback. And if you're the Clemson side on this, it's miserable. And, yes, we know we knew going into the game that Clemson had its you know issues offensively, uh, on the offensive line in particular. We knew that. This is also a team, we told you this before, that in the seven times Clemson had lost prior to this since 2015, the team that beat them on average had scored 40 points to do so. 
the idea that Georgia totally neutralized a Clemson offense that has a tendency to really score big in big games. This is not like a Georgia defensive performance we've seen before. And after the game was over with, Kirby Smart uh, really provided some interesting insight from his own perspective about what he saw from his team defensively on Saturday. This is Kirby Smart from his post-game press conference. Well, I I knew we'd be pretty good, and we're pretty deep. I'm proud of them. It just seems like we're more athletic up there than we've been in the past. There's a lot of speed on the field. I mean, when when we do plays against the scout team, and Trevon and Adam are – chasing plays down I mean they're fast and they can run and Dan did a great job calling the game tonight uh, defensive staff did an incredible job with the game plan uh, the kids were into the game and you know I think we frustrated them and confused them and and once you I mean we didn't do real well offensively either but we did we did have some moments where we could run the ball they 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 struggled to do that smart's point on the end about running the ball when Georgia needed to is important we'll get to that in a moment But think about Smart in his own words there. Frustrating and confusing Clemson, obviously that's true. But it's really the beginning of that statement that means the most to me. This is a defense more athletic than Kirby Smart has had, I would say by a wide margin, and like shockingly elite athletes has been the hallmark of Georgia defensively under Kirby Smart. But this is an entirely different level. It's just simply guys who've been waiting in the wings. And none of these guys have been playing as much as they want. You think if you bumped into, like, um, you know, just going to think out loud here for a moment. You think if you, like, bumped into Nolan Smith on the sidewalk the last couple of years, hey, Nolan, are you playing as much as you want to? No, I'm not, but my time is coming. Bump into Adam Anderson on the sidewalk anytime over the last couple of years. Hey, Adam, are you playing as much as you want to at Georgia right now? No, I'm not, but I believe my time is coming. Trayvon Walker, are you getting a chance to rush the passer as much as you want to? No, I'm doing what they're asking me to do right now, but I'm going to pin my ears back one of these days. I mean, if you would have bumped into these guys, it's just easy to imagine. They didn't tell me that, but it's easy to imagine that they might would have said something like that over the course of the last couple of years. Well, that time is now. N'Kobe Dean, hey, you know, people say you could be the next Roquan Smith. Well, I'm going to learn this system for a while, but when, then when I get to be a junior, the same way that Roquan did back in 2017, I'm going to go out there and see if I can be Roquan. Well, on, on Saturday, did, did he look that much different than Roquan looked playing in uh, 2017? All these young guys who were once young are not quite so young anymore. All these former five stars are now ready for their moment at Georgia. And I thought those five stars looked like five stars all across the board. You better believe Clemson knows their name right now. And, you know, I, I, I know I have a tendency to get somewhat hyperbolic sometimes, and maybe I exaggerate a little bit. There are also plenty of people who are watching right now who are older than me and just have better, longer memories of Georgia football than I do. But when has Georgia ever played better defensively than it played on Saturday? I was looking at some of the stats. I mean, I guess you have to go back to 2017, the SEC championship game against Auburn, to find a moment in which Georgia held a top-five opponent to fewer than than 10 points. And I'd say, just given the the track record that Clemson has offensively, what this was on Saturday is a far different creation than holding that Auburn team to that point total because I don't think offensively that Auburn team is quite what I think of Clemson as the last couple of years. Georgia came within an eyelash of shutting out Clemson. No one's done that since the Dogs did it on the road back in 2003. It's a long time. I think somebody said that Clemson hasn't scored this few points since 2010, I believe, that I saw. That's as good as it gets. And I think you're left to say this is the kind of thing for Georgia that's going to travel. This is a little bit of a movable feast, the kind of uh, havoc-wreaking front seven that goes after, just goes after whatever quarterback they're playing. And as some of you also kind of predicted, hey, maybe the front seven's so good, you don't have to worry about whatever issues you may have at secondary. 
And think about that. I mean, there were a couple of pass interferences and, you know, at least one moment which, you know, a Clemson receiver kind of got free and maybe uh, beat a Georgia defensive back. But how much did you even really think about the Georgia secondary on Saturday? We talked about that for weeks on end about uh, cornerback and who's ready and who's what and who's this and who's that. I mean, in terms of being concerned, I mean, the secondary was almost a non-factor for Georgia on Saturday and just simply because of how dominant the front seven was. This is... This was entertaining football, man. This was entertaining. And it's not the same kind of defense that Georgia's played before. It was a far, far different, aggressive, uh, athletic, and, oh boy, it is a unit that I can't wait to watch a lot more from as the uh, season goes on. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella, window and door of Georgia, and glad to have you with us no matter how. You get to us today live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're on the radio at noon, typically on Athens Sports Radio 960. The Rev will be back again on Tuesday after the holiday there today. Obviously, podcast, the Apple Player, Spotify, the Google Player, worldfamousdognation.com. However you get to us, just really appreciate you being with us here today. We might can bring that music down just a tiny little bit there. Uh, just appreciate you being here and being a part of the uh, program here today. Of course, John Stinchcomb coming up in just a moment. We'll talk to John about everything happening around UGA football. For that, let me remind you, our show today brought to you by our friends at Pella Window and Door of George. You know, they can help equip your house with energy-efficient windows and doors. And that matters, right? Because when you're talking about hot weather, and we've had some, obviously September, typically speaking, pretty hot month here around the state of Georgia. But with that hot weather rolling in and continuing to be here, you want to keep that hot within the outside and that cool air conditioning that's flowing throughout your house. You want to keep that on the inside. That's what good, energy-efficient windows and doors give you a chance to do. Also, Pella, nationally known brand, which gives them really unparalleled resources. Locally owned branch right here at Georgia, which gives you kind of the family feel, unparalleled service that you get when it comes to something like that. That's all of what Pella Window and Door of Georgia can provide for you. Also, great savings as well. Through September 16th, you can replace all your windows with payments as low as $99 a month, or you can get 10% off all qualifying installations. So check that out. It's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's the website, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Or if you'd prefer a call, how about 678-638-1496? 678-638-1496. That's the phone number. Whether you're reaching out via phone or via uh, the website, just let them know. BA from Dog Nation Daily promised them, promised you that they would take good care of because I truly believe they will do that because I've heard the stories of the way in which they've been taking care of so many folks for such a long time out there in our Dog Nation Daily audience, and so we certainly appreciate that. As I mentioned a moment ago, we'll get John Stinchcomb, and obviously we got to get serious with John on one thing. Uh, the Tate Ratledge news is out there. Ratledge obviously left the game early with injury. Uh, Dog Nation uh, has reported here over the course of the last 24 hours that Ratledge now expected to miss the rest of the season. And so kind of where you go from there becomes a pretty big talking point. So we'll do a lot of that with John Stinchcomb. But before that, let me go around the doghouse here today, assisted by our friends at AAA. And I want to talk about the Georgia offense just briefly. There's something specific I want to say. Um, I mean, look, look, obviously I expected more offense from Georgia. I thought Georgia would need more offense to win the game. I certainly made that clear a lot last week. So from that standpoint, I'm happy to be wrong on that. And we got plenty more days in the rest of this week and over the course of the rest of the season to figure out how Georgia does improve itself offensively. There is plenty of time to figure all that out as you kind of roll through the, uh, you know, the, the, the rest of this year on all of that. But as far as Saturday goes specifically, 
I thought that JT Daniels' words after the game, when he was asked, are there mixed emotions on your part? Because, yes, it was a Georgia win, but offensively your team didn't quite play as well as you wanted to. I thought Daniels' perspective on this was 100% true. That was very valuable. I think it means something to hear your quarterback say this. And Daniels, once again, re-ups himself as a very effective spokesman for this team. Let me let you hear the Georgia quarterback on how the offense factored into the story on Saturday. Here's JT postgame. Not one bit. We just beat Clemson. Our D-line played amazing. Our whole defense played amazing. I think our O-line fought at the end when we had to go four men and run the ball. I think we did a lot of good things offensively, just not enough consistently to where you're going to put up points against Clemson. And uh, I'd say the other thing that I'd say for the offense is we've got to be a little more explosive, uh, which is tough to do with what Clemson did today. They were very, they played a very conservative soft zone, uh, dropped eight a lot. They, they did a lot of things they haven't shown to do too much. Um, and I, I think they did a great job, Clemson did, uh, executing that scheme and making us, you know, take the take, take what's there. Uh, we got to do that a little bit better. But in terms of do I have a half and half feeling? Hell no. We, we just beat Clemson. I'm happy. Yeah, I I'm, I'm feel the same way, JT. And I'm someone who truly believes that Georgia has to be more explosive offensively to win a national championship. But I also believe in this particular moment, it just doesn't matter very much. What matters today was Georgia doing what it had to do against a team like Clemson. Because when you play a team like that, it's been the playoff every year since 2015. And it's the kind of team that Georgia specifically has kind of had trouble with in the past. All of a sudden, it's a no apologies necessary type game if you win. I think the JT Daniels is 100% right about that. Plus, there's also this. You know, Georgia did offensively what it needed to do when it absolutely had to. We heard Kirby Smart a moment ago say Clemson couldn't run the ball at all. Georgia at least ran it a little bit when it needed to. And I hear high school coaches say this a lot because I talk to a lot of high school coaches that um, let's hold off. We're we're not quite ready for that. Let's hold off on him just for one second. I I hear high school coaches say this um, uh, a a, a little bit from time to time that, hey, we want to be able to throw when we want to, not when we have to. We know there are moments in the game sometimes when, I, when you kind of have to throw. We kind of get that, that you sometimes sort of have to do that. But there are also moments in a game when you have to run. And when you're talking about four minutes, 44 seconds to go in the game, Georgia's in a moment right there where any team in the country views that as a moment when you got to run the ball. That's a moment when you have to be able to do that. And Georgia was able to. Georgia was able to get those tough, hard yards right there. They ran the ball. They got it done. And after the game, Kirby Smart talked specifically about the fact that, hey, when they really needed to, they were able to salt the game away on the back of Zamir White, the Georgia running game. Kirby Smart mentioned that post game. You know, when our offense had to convert, when our offense had to force the ball down somebody's throat, a pretty good defense, you know, they were able to do it. And uh, that makes me proud. But we certainly have a long way to go um, to be explosive and, and get where we need to go offensively. Yeah, so listen, I don't think you should overlook the fact that on a day that it wasn't pretty offensively, George was willing to kind of grind out some ugly yards there late to be able to get that win, and I want to make sure we highlight this for a moment. I loved Zamir White postgame on all of this. Uh, on Instagram, great caption. Samir's a guy that hadn't said two words since he's been at Georgia, but drops like the ultimate Instagram caption as a way of celebrating this win, and I thought this was uh, really good. You see a terrific photo of Zeus shared on Instagram, essentially just running right over a Clemson defender and just leaving him in the uh, dirt there. Uh, Zeus saying, if I wanted to play with kids, I'd have some of my own. 
Those are strong words there from Zamir White. And when you do what he did late in the game to help earn this one for Georgia on Saturday, that is certainly a uh, an appropriate way to kind of punctuate all of that. Really, really good stuff from Zamir White on the way to a Georgia victory on Saturday. And interesting words from both JT Daniels and Kirby Smart there on that topic. It's around the doghouse. It's, it's assisted today by our friends at AAA. And, of course, make sure you check out AAA. Uh, you think about them for legendary roadside assistance, as a lot of you are traveling this weekend. You know, that's certainly something that you can think about AAA for when you're on the road. If something goes wrong, you want to make sure you got AAA uh, right there on speed dial to, to help you on the side of the road. That, if that certainly comes up. But also AAA is the one to know for auto insurance there, too. Uh, that uh, When you switch and save with a AAA, you can save on average $529. Uh, that's big, big savings when it comes to a AAA. You can check them out today. Uh, it's AAA.com uh, slash auto insurance. You can find out more about that. AAA.com slash auto insurance. All right, before we're done here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia, very interesting look. Some of you had a good time with me. Post game on Saturday. Probably had a little uh, excitement in my running through my veins and my blood after a big Georgia win right before our Dog Nation postgame show began. I didn't think anybody was watching. Apparently someone was. And so uh, we'll share some of that and some of your reaction to all of that here on our program. We'll also look at the rest of a very busy weekend around college football in the SEC. LSU coach Ed Orgeron trolled unmercifully by the team that also beat him on Saturday. So we'll talk about that. A lot more to do with you. But for now, the Tate Rattledge injury, the huge Georgia win, and where the dogs go from here. Let's get it all with our buddy John Stinchcomb as a part of a Classic City Lager uh, Insider Update. Good to have all of you with us in the program today there, too. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com Insider. There is a lot of fun stuff to talk about with John Stinchcomb here today, but also there's a little bit of uh, business you got to take care of here too. And I guess, John, if you don't mind, before we get into the happy moments of a Georgia win against Clemson, let's also take care of some serious stuff with the injury to Tate Ratledge. You know, certainly in Ratledge's case, this was an offseason of really positive updates about Ratledge. Seemingly anytime you got a chance to hear from somebody who had heard from somebody, you know, rumor mill, ear to the ground type stuff, Ratledge had just really earned a lot of praise during the uh, during the offseason. Uh, seemed to be solidly in the mix for playing time going back to, to G-Day, and, you know, that didn't change at all once those summer practices begin. It is a cruel fate to have an injury happen so quick into the first game of a season that you know that Tate Ratledge was looking forward to. Uh, tough for him, but also a lot of curiosity among Georgia fans about how the season-long response to all this is going to go. What did you see from, you know, the Georgia offensive line once Ratledge went out on Saturday, and kind of what are your big-picture thoughts on all of this? Well, first, your heart goes out to Tate just because all the work he put in and, and had earned the opportunity to be one of the five. Um, and to see that in so quickly and abruptly, your heart goes out to him. And in this offensive line group, you know, it's been a, a point of uh, highlighted throughout this entire offseason. What's it going to look like? Who are our guys going to be when you lose? A player like Tate, it, it hurts. I think you saw that a little bit in the game. Um, obviously, talented players filled the role, and Warren Erickson, who is limited in a good piece of, of training camp with his own injury, uh, stepped in admirably and, and filled the, that role in a way that you would hope uh, a program at the level of Georgia could fill. But 
when you lost Tate, and I don't know if it's subsequent to his injury or just um, credit to Venables and for Clemson's defensive coordinator, but there was a, a number of MAs or missed assignments or mental errors um, that you saw from our front line that, um, you, you know, it's, it's week one, you'll be able to clean those up, but um, there was, it, it, it appeared there were times where this offensive group up front, they weren't on the same page. And, you know, you, you're so grateful you come away with a win and still able to learn from those experiences. It's much better than uh, it costing you a game. But, you know, it hurts. You lose one of those five and, and you're going to feel it. Yeah, I mean, I talked to people who kind of coached against Rattledge in high school and things like that. Like the one thing you pretty commonly heard is, hey, this guy tried to fight our whole team and, you know, things like that. Like he's just one of those guys, and I say this with all compliments, he's one of those guys that just plays the game with a little bit of a nasty streak. And so, you know, think about a game like Clemson where he's not as experienced as maybe sometimes Georgia offensive linemen are in a spot like that, but what he lacks in experience, he just makes up for in the willingness to just go out there and just, you know, get in the mud with you, right? I mean, he's just, he just very, very willing to do that, and so – you know there's going to be a little bit of a maybe a drop-off from a mentality standpoint when he's not in the game. But I guess I remain fairly optimistic that that Georgia, whether it be you know Erickson or however things kind of evolve as the season goes along, I, I do feel fairly optimistic that while I was really looking forward to seeing Tate play for a full season here, that Georgia seems well set up to to absorb this. And I want to make light of it because, you know, obviously, you know, you've got to count all of these injuries cumulatively. But it seems like Georgia's still set up okay to weather this. Uh, do you kind of feel the same way on that? Yes, and then let's start with Cedric Van Fran Granger, who came in the game uh, first first start for him, and I thought he played really well. Um, you know, it wasn't perfect game, nor, nor should it be expected to be. But uh, aside from one high snap that uh, JT managed very well. Um, snapping wasn't an issue, which it has been in, for Georgia in the past. There's years where you could almost expect uh, one lost snap a game, it seemed like, and um, that wasn't the case on Saturday. So great job for him for stepping in and, and playing the way he did. And, um, you know, the other guy you probably need to highlight is Jamari Sawyer, yeah. who continues to impress. I mean, his level of play is exceptional and, I think throughout this season will garner more and more attention uh, on a national scale because you saw it against Clemson and arguably one of the better defensive fronts in college football um, that he was more than up to the the occasion and the challenge. And uh, I think this is a group that's only going to grow. I'll say this. I've never seen a bigger number 83. You know, that, that was Xavier Truss's uh, you know, number when he comes in the game at tight end. I mean, that guy, he's a, that's a big old man. So, um, yeah, I, I think you saw some experience and some opportunities for – you saw Truss on the field at a different, different position. Broderick Jones, same thing, came in at tight end a few times throughout the game. So, um, there are options there, and I think it's, it's going to play out for the next few weeks as to how – uh, Georgia decides to deploy the, the weapons they have up front and try to get that chemistry and get everyone on the same page because, you know, what I think I saw on Saturday was definitely not a lack of talent. It was more of, of just being on the same page. And I think that comes with reps more than anything. So 
getting guys out there and working together and understanding um, the system that you're in and how you're going to pick up the, the different blitzes and dogs, pressures, and line games, um, that just takes working with, with one another for, for an extended period of time, which, you know, luckily for Georgia, you've got a week full of practice and an opponent that doesn't pose the same threat that Clemson does. So you and I are close to the same age, so we have similar you know perspective on all of this. And I mean this question, simple question, but I mean it seriously and literally. Have you ever seen Georgia play better defensively in a big game than it played on Saturday? No, absolutely not. I mean, it was you talk about rising to the occasion for the entire uh, four quarters. I, you know, there, when was there a let up, and and at what level? I mean, there's there's things you're going to clean up, but you talk about a complete performance by a defense. I mean, dominance, dominance by the box, the the front four, the linebackers. I mean, they played at a level that was unmatched on Saturday. And I think Coach Lanning deserves a lot of credit. You talk about putting guys in the right position to make plays. Uh, I was watching Aaron Murray's breakdown of uh, the Christopher Smith interception, and that's players understanding the scheme they're in and making a play, but you start with the scheme they're in. I think Lanning showed a front that was a little bit confusing and, and not the norm and put his players in a position to make plays. And that's one example of, of so many. Uh, you watch late in the game the blitzing linebackers in the interior of Clemson's line where they had no answer for it, uh, the, the number of um, stunts that the defensive line was executing at a high level. I mean, you, you, first off, you got incredible amounts of talent across that group, but you know they were deployed in a way that you know, Clemson was, was left reeling the entire game. You know, I think that's exactly right. And I've said this before that, you know, for me, much the same way sometimes people say how the Georgia offense is too conservative. John, I think there's actually been a little bit of a criticism of the Georgia defense a couple of times over the last couple of years that at times was a little bit too conservative. Even statistically strong defenses like the one uh, that Georgia had, like, say, 2018, 2019. And let's use 2018 as for instance here. Georgia only had 24 sacks all season in 2018. And that was a good defense. And they were, <laughs> they, they, you know, the, they were holding, you know, teams to, to low point totals for the most part. But that's just 24 sacks for an entire season. Georgia had seven alone against a Clemson team that's been in the playoff every year since 2015. John, to me, this is a, a Georgia defensive mindset that's totally evolved. It's a level of talent. Even though that talent's like the number one thing you have used, to number one word you probably would have used as a descriptor for the Georgia defense the last few years, I think from a talent standpoint, what Georgia deployed on Saturday is an entirely different animal all the way around. And Dan Lanning seems so willing to unleash all of that. I mean, in such a, a, aggressive ways, it's really fun to watch. This isn't just a stingy defense that's trying to limit other uh, offenses' opportunities. This is an aggressive defense that is seeking out its chance to make the play that might actually win the game for Georgia. I, I think it's an entirely different species of defense than anything that Georgia's played up to this point in time under Kirby Smart, even though those defenses had a lot of very good hallmarks of their own. This, to me, has the makings of something completely different. Well, allow me to venture into a sport that I know uh, a very limited amount about, and that's baseball. And for a pitcher, if all if you've got one great pitch and that's all you throw, mm -hmm. uh, you, you're, you're going to make some good plays. You're going to get the strikeouts. But against really good opponents, they've figured it out. You have to have more one, more than one pitch in your bag, in your arsenal. And I think 
what Georgia showed against Clemson on Saturday is a willingness to uh, bring the dogs, bring the pressures in conjunction with, with just coverage and outmatching folks with personnel, which, you know, you go back to the two or three years, the, the, what was the 2018 that you referenced, that was an elite defense, but it was also very conservative in the calls. It was, we have better personnel than you, and we're challenging you to make plays against, you know, I hate to use the word vanilla, but certainly not a complicated scheme that um, relies on, on a variety of blitzes, dogs, and pressures. And on Saturday, I think you saw a conjunction of not only uh, coverage, which you know we caught Clemson looking for the pressures at times, and, and we're sitting back in coverage, and there was no receiver to get open, and we've got the horses up front that finally can get to the quarterback um, without bringing the pressure, but also a, winning, a willingness from Coach Lanning to bring those pressures and put the heat on and force those early throws and, and, you know, those hot route situations and having the back end understand what most likely you're going to see when you bring this type of pressure. I thought it was a, as cohesive um, a defensive performance from the front end all the way through the secondary and just a willingness from Coach Lanning to, to mix it up and, and throw a variety of punches as any any game that we've seen in recent history from Georgia. You brought up Christopher Smith a moment ago. I want to ask you more about him in a moment. Let me first remind folks, this is our classic city logger insider update with John Stinchcomb. And boy, had a dog nation invasion this past weekend. So many folks enjoying that classic city logger. It just pairs great with the tailgate. The weather was actually really beautiful on Saturday. It was a little bit hot, but it was a actually a very nice early September day. And when you're outside on a day like that, the kind of crisp flavor that comes with classic city lager is great, but the lager style lighter beer is also really good too and it was just fun to see folks enjoying that there at the tailgate I know a lot of you wherever you were tailgating this past weekend watching at home possibly I know a lot of you were enjoying classic city lager from creature comforts brewing company also it's available in six and 12 pack cans really wherever you do your shopping you can pick yourself up some classic city lager we actually had a chance to be at the brewery a few weeks ago and actually got to see classic city lager being made much the same way you're watching this being done on the video right now that was a really cool thing to be able to see and I'm glad that so many of you are enjoying that it's just good cold beer I'm a simple guy I like simple things classic city lager is kind of the thing that I kind of like just well-made quality good flavor but nothing too fussy nothing too fancy it's just good cold beer it's classic city lager so check out some today when it comes to creature comforts brewing company so John I told this story in our post-game show on Saturday and I'll tell it to you now when Christopher Smith was still a recruit, when he had, you know, let it be known that he was coming to Georgia, but, you know, kind of before he started his Georgia career, we had a chance to interview him, and I really enjoyed that. He's a super, you know, super guy. But I do remember kind of thinking, interviewing him, you know, this is a small guy. You know, this is a smaller guy than obviously a lot of the guys that Georgia recruits. How is he really going to fit in at UGA? I have to admit that in my mind, I was kind of thinking that a little bit. And then I got a chance to interview him again a few weeks later, just as kind of luck would have it, and I, this is over the course of a couple of months or so, and before he had started his Georgia career, he'd already kind of started to put on weight, added some muscle definition. You kind of tell even through the clothes that, that, that he was wearing that he was just in better physical condition than he'd been just a couple of months prior to that, and that's like basically the day he was enrolling at Georgia at the time. I remember thinking, oh, 
So he's already getting a head start on this. This is how serious that he's taking his college career that he's even willing to do this on his own because it's not as easy to get the nutrition that you need to truly add muscle mass when you're you know not getting fed you know those perfectly designed meals at Georgia the way these college players get once they get on campus. But Christopher was already kind of doing some of that. I saw this with my own eyes before he started his career there at Georgia. And I don't know. It seems like he also probably had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder too about guys like me that on first spec was like, uh, maybe this guy's too small to make it at a place like UGA. I mean, the point I'm getting to here is, as a Georgia fan, I'm happy that anybody gets a pick six interception return for a touchdown. But when it's a guy like Christopher Smith, who has worked very hard to beat the spot that he is right now and you know, you know, know, learned a lot when he stepped in last year in kind of an emergency role once Richard LeCount went down with the injury, that just adds the story there to me too. It was a very much a feel-good moment for me to see Smith factor in the win as much as he did on Saturday. And you like a good story as much as anybody, so I'm guessing maybe you felt the same way. I love it. It makes me think of other guys that have – you know, probably don't come in with those five-star athletic abilities or traits. I mean, Christopher Smith, look at it on paper, and he doesn't match up with some of these other players that Georgia recruits and will play against and all those things. But tell that to his heart. Tell that to his, his effort and his drive. And the fact that the guy is talented. I mean, yeah. he just doesn't have the, the measurables that uh, it demands to be a five-star high school recruit, but um, there are so many guys uh, that are the backbone and heartbeat of programs that maybe they're not, uh, you know, the, the prototype. We, we, we used to play the Raiders, and they always had the all-bus team. You know, if they hop yeah. off the bus, oh, yeah. it's impressive. You know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, what is it, the longest yard where they're playing the, the, the prison league team, and they come off the bus, and they're intimidating. Uh, but you get them on a football field, and they're not always the best players. And, you know, I, when I talk to, to guys as you train them, yes, I'd prefer for you to have the, the five-star physical attributes, but I want you to have the mindset of a two- or three-star guy because they're usually the ones that are the most hungry and most willing to work and recognize that they probably need to to compete. And And when you combine those things, that mentality, that dog, that, that hunger and, and strive to be as great as you possibly can be. Uh, you combine that with talent like Christopher Smith has. I think that's what you see in development and um, probably wasn't ready in year one, but by this point in his, his collegiate career, um, he's had that mentality of I'm willing to work. I'm focused on what it's going to take for me to be a, a real playmaker at this level and in this league, and you're seeing the fruits of it come Saturday. I'll finish with this. How much did you enjoy seeing George on a day that was not great offensively? We'll certainly admit that, and we'll probably break down some more of that as the days go on here. But how much, as a former offensive lineman, did you enjoy seeing you know Zamir White kind of you know put it on his shoulders on Saturday late in this game and salt away that 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 clock and and really you know, hold on to that lead for George when they really needed to, really ran the ball effectively in those key moments when everybody in the stadium knew they were going to. They got the tough, hard yards they had to do to win that football game there. That was satisfying for me, even on a day in which the rest of the offensive story was probably not quite what I either thought it would be or certainly hoped it would be. Yeah, it's going to it's going to take more from Georgia's offense than what we saw on Saturday. Everybody can agree to that. 
we will we will be in games where our defense isn't quite as suffocating, and the and the offense is going to be challenged to score more than a single digit total at the end of the game. But there were flashes. I, I like to see the fact that uh, you know Zeus. I thought he demonstrated some of the best vision I've seen from him. He's always been a really hard runner, but his patience and, and recognition of where the lanes were were as good, especially late in the game, is what I've seen from him. And, and combine that with uh, Kendall Milton and the runs that he had, which, you know, man, he's, he seems explosive and willing to lower his shoulder at times, but also has that gear to shift into. I think there's reason for optimism, and, and we need it. Uh, you, you're not going to be able to, to win a lot of games scoring just three points on offense. But there were points that uh, were, were very encouraging. I like the, the decision-making process from JT. It didn't seem like he was forcing the ball constantly through the game, which, you know, you, you get in one of those big marquee games and it, it kind of baits itself, especially late in the game where you, you're starting to feel that pressure mount and, and offensively we haven't been able to find the success that you want. And all of a sudden you, you're forcing it and you, you put yourselves and your team in a bad situation. So I thought that showed a great deal of maturity from him, but obviously a, a great uh, amount of room for improvement across the board. But, um, we came into the season knowing that these running backs uh, were a strength for this offense and they were going to be leaned on at times. And we, we saw uh, them salt away a game against a, a very good defensive front in Clemson, um, which bodes well in the future for this for this team. John, incredible conversation. Thanks for your insight on Georgia football. I certainly hope you enjoy your Labor Day holiday. We appreciate you taking some time away from your family to be with us. Talk this uh, about this uh, fun Georgia win, and we'll look forward to doing it with you again very soon there, too. Dogs off to a good start, and certainly curious to see how it all plays out for the home opener against UAB on Saturday. So we'll enjoy the chance to chat again very soon. Well, it was a, it was a great day to be a dog, and I'm just glad that uh, we're off on the right foot and seems to be a very promising 2021 for, for all Georgia fans out there. So great to be a bulldog that is for sure john thanks for your time let's take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through really really good stuff with uh john stinchcomb they really appreciate everything he had to say and listen it does matter to me that john played in big games did you know big stuff by the way a lot of you also love the story i should have mentioned this to john i uh, love the story that he told last week about his own win against clemson in 2002 i know a lot of you uh, had a good time with all of that so, um, so you know, valuable insight from guys like that, and our buddy Terrence Edwards, who will join us later on this week, and you know, just to get a chance to lean on guys like that is always one of the fun things about Dog Nation. Great to be able to do that. By the way, speaking of Dog Nation, I know a lot of you already know about this, but I want to make sure the rest of you do there as well. Huge event coming up at Truist Park when it comes to the Atlanta Braves here on Thursday, September the thirtieth. It's going to be UGA night there at Truist Park for that. And this is one of those fun things. If you've never done this before, it's a really cool package that you can get. It includes a co-branded Braves UGA hat. So it's literally like the Braves logos on the front, the UGA logos on the side. For somebody like me and so many of you the same way who've kind of been Braves fans, Georgia fans the entire life, to be able to have like both logos in the same hat is really, really fun. And so that goes along with that. You get a ticket to the, the game there as well. Plus there's a donation to the U to the UGA Atlanta Chapter Scholarship Fund, which is a, a really cool thing. 
So the packages are obviously limited on this. So you got to make sure you get in and get that before they're sold out. Uh, Braves.com slash tickets for more details on that. That's Braves.com slash tickets. Uh, actually, let's do this special website. Let's do Braves.com slash college nights for that. Let me make sure I say this again. It's Braves.com slash college nights to get in on the special UGA ticket package on that. Take advantage of that. Also, baseball note here. Remember, Braves in kind of that big fight with the Phillies in the National League East. This is a game against the Phillies there late in the season. So not only do you get a chance to support UGA by being at Truist Park that night for the Braves, but you also get a big battle between the Braves and the Phillies where it is highly likely that the National League East kind of hangs in the balance and all of that. So Braves.com slash College Knights to find out a lot more about that. All right, SEC through here, kind of looking back on everything from the weekend. Let me just briefly say this about last night. I was really enjoying Notre Dame and Florida State. Jermaine Johnson at the beginning of that game. Obviously, both teams kind of really going back and forth. Total honesty here, though, between doing high school football on Friday, being in Charlotte all day Saturday, the ride back yesterday. Thankfully, I was on the bus. I'm not having to drive. It was a little bit of a long weekend. When I tell you I was out on the couch last night like a light, I was sleeping like a stone. Uh, when I woke up this morning, now I eventually stumbled into the bed and, and went to sleep. But when I woke up this morning, I was like, I don't know who won this game. I don't know how it got won. So I, got, I was early in the morning as I was getting ready for this show, like watching ESPN. Like, what did happen with that Florida State and Notre Dame game from last night? So kind of a thrilling game. And it is somewhat ironic, obviously, that Florida State – tribute Bobby to Bobby Bowden at Doak Campbell last night. They end up losing the game in part because of a late missed field goal in overtime. There's a weird historic symmetry involved in all of that. Uh, obviously, at the end of the game, there's the attempted humor by Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly that, for the most part, fell flat, trying to harken back to a line from John McKay, the former USC coach, was asked, what did you think about your team's execution? And he deadpanned, uh, execution, I'm in favor of it. That was something that you know was funny when McKay said it. The way in which Kelly tried to say it last night didn't quite come across as quite so funny. I'm not going to cancel him over it. I think the people who get really worked up about stuff like this are just a, a horrible, horrible, you know, uh, blight on college football. I wish they'd go somewhere and find some way to be happy. But ultimately, there is a price to be paid when you try to make a joke and ends up not being funny. And I think it sort of speaks to the Kelly personality all the way around. And I told you all before, remember the other day when – you know, Kelly let it be slipped that the defensive coordinator they just hired from Cincinnati is going to be the next head coach at, at, at Notre Dame. A lot of folks wondered, did he misspeak? Was this an accent, whatever else? And I said, typically these kinds of things from coaches aren't misspeak. Sometimes they're kind of a, air quotes here, accidental leak. And I think the reason why Notre Dame is trying to sell a new image for its program, hey, our next coach is already on staff here. This is the guy that's going to eventually replace Brian Kelly is because people don't like Brian Kelly very much. And you know, Kelly does come across as a little bit smug. You don't have to be a Notre Dame hater to necessarily notice that. And when he has a failed attempt at humor and it falls flat, there are a lot of people who are going to jump on him because of that. And, you know, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, the media, you know, being outraged over a bad joke is, you know, fairly, you know, irrelevant. But it's the same personality that couldn't tell a joke on TV that also goes in the living room with recruits. Notre Dame recruits better than most programs, but does not recruit as well as the best programs. And Irish would obviously like to be better. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're already letting it slip that the next coach for the Irish may already be on staff 
because I, I think they know they need an image evolution beyond the Brian Kelly, who's always been very self-satisfied, but not always as good at getting other people to be as satisfied with him as he seems to be with himself. Last night's win against Florida State may be an example of that. A couple other things here really quickly. We said this on Thursday and Friday, and it was borne out on Saturday. The biggest sure thing in all of sports. Obviously, sports is unpredictable, but there has never been a better guarantee than week one, neutral side, non-conference opponent, Alabama obliterating whoever it's playing. We said in the eight previous years prior to 2021, Alabama in uh, you know, games like I just described had won by an average of 27 points. Well, lo and behold, from the word go, it seemed like on Saturday Alabama was already up 27. They go on to dominate Miami. Miami may compete in a watered-down ACC. They don't belong on the same field as Alabama. Most of us, I think, knew that, but it's still impressive to watch the precision with which it happens. And I saw somebody on Twitter saying, why would anybody play Alabama in one of these week one games? Listen, I'm tired of giving the Crimson Tide credit, but begrudgingly, you got to admit, they just know how to do this thing in week one, man. And they really, really did that. There was an interesting moment in California on Saturday. Obviously, LSU fans traveled in gigantic numbers, took over the Rose Bowl Stadium, drank the place dry. This was the first game in Rose Bowl history. They were selling beer and wine in the concession stands. And they were really feeling pretty good about themselves. In fact, before the game, you may have seen the video of LSU coach Ed Orgeron walking into the stadium and a UCLA fan talked a little trash to him. The open mic that was filming Orgeron, captured Orgeron saying, and I wish I had the the audio, I'd play it for you. But he said, uh, that's okay uh, with you. And what he the guy was dressed as a UCLA fan. He said, with your sissy blue shirt on. This is Orgeron saying this to a UCLA fan. Well, obviously, UCLA goes out and gets the win against Ed Orgeron in LSU on Saturday. And they are unmerciful in their trolling of Orgeron after the fact. Let me show you the Twitter header. This is the Twitter. If you go to, What a Twitter header is, if you go to the Twitter page for UCLA football, the header is the thing up at the top. That's why they call it a header. And it's a picture of a blue shirt, UCLA colors here, and it says Sissy Blue on it. It's got the Jordan brand logo there, too. And the script U is the uh, kind of logo for UCLA. So they are mocking Orgeron's Sissy Blue comment with their own T-shirt there, there at UCLA. And, boy, you tell, me, tell you what, you talk about the media jumping in the fray when it comes to Orgeron. He has had a bunch of harsh criticism in, like, written columns and things like that over the course of the last couple of days. So hot water for Orgeron after a game in which his team lost on the road. When we picked the game earlier in the week, LSU was like a four-and-a-half-point favorite. It was down to less than a field goal by the time the game kicked off. So there was a lot of energy and steam in the direction of UCLA. Uh, but even after the fact, man, ton of criticism for Orgeron coming off that. How about a quick roundup of some of the other SEC games here for a moment? Kentucky, no problem against Louisiana Monroe. We told you that might be a pretty good play at around 29 points. Uh, some of y'all like Mike Leach, the Mississippi State coach. You can have him as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they only beat Louisiana Tech by a skinny little point and had to come back to do so. Uh, Leach is just not fit for the SEC, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. Auburn scores 60 in Mike Bobo's debut as offensive coordinator. Brian Harson's debut as head coach. Uh, the former GA, now quarterback at South Carolina, uh, has a big day. They shut out Eastern Illinois. So Gamecocks fans feeling pretty good about that. 
The story coming out of Gainesville after a 21-point win against FAU was the play of Anthony Richardson. We had been telling you this a lot during the offseason, that there was a lot of chatter coming out of Gainesville that for those who wanted to fall all over themselves but Emory Jones, that it wasn't even a given that Jones was the best quarterback on that roster. And I think our belief on that was you know, portrayed fairly well on the field for uh, Florida on Saturday. And then finally there's this, and I don't even know how you get lower than this. East Tennessee State beat Vanderbilt 23-3. to Can you imagine? Uh, I guess now Johnson City, Tennessee is known for something other than just being a line in the old Crow Medicine Show uh, wagon wheel song. Uh, the folks in Johnson City also can say they beat an SEC team now. 23-3. to Like Vanderbilt should just give up football at this point in time. I know everybody in the SEC is mortified to even have them in the league. I don't care how fancy pants the academic side is. Uh, that is a grotesque performance. And listen, a lot of Georgia fans have reached out to me already about this. Georgia fans hate Vanderbilt right now for the way that Vanderbilt behaved at the end of last season. I totally get it. Um, that's as bad as it gets right there. A total humiliation all the way around. And we'll make that your SEC. Oh, one more thing actually to uh, to m- mention here as well. So we actually have college football tonight. I'm going to try to stay awake for this one if I possibly can, although I make no promises. Back in Atlanta – uh, Louisville against Ole Miss. Of course, uh, Lane Kiffin had a breakthrough case of COVID. I don't know if he's sick or not, but he did test positive. Uh, he says 100% of his team is vaccinated, uh, himself obviously included, but he did test positive. So tonight, Ole Miss will have to play in Atlanta against Louisville without Kiffin. We thought that Louisville was capable of keeping this close anyway. You know, maybe this you know makes that even more so likely uh, now. So pay attention to Ole Miss, the final SEC team to play here in week one against Louisville tonight, and we'll make that your SEC through. And speaking of humiliation, which I mentioned a moment ago, I guess maybe a dose of that for me on Saturday there as well. So let me set the stage for this if I possibly can. So on Saturday after the game, I was going to go down to the field and do the postgame show. Now, a lot of you know that last year we had a great postgame show with myself and Terrence Edwards, and we were going to do the, the postgame show that way, but could not stream from the from the building on Saturday. Just not getting a strong enough Wi-Fi. So we have a technological way that we can produce a post game show on the site without having to to stream via Wi-Fi. And so that's kind of what we did for the post game show on Saturday. And so I thought, well, if I were to do it like this here, let me just go back down to the field to do this thing. And so that's where I go. And yeah, listen, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was happy, right? I mean, I'd wanted Georgia to beat Clemson very, very bad, and you kind of just have a thought in your mind of how this sets up for Georgia the rest of the season. The atmosphere was great. I mean, you're talking about just like the best of college football all right there at one spot. Your team gets a big win. Everybody's having a good time. Uh, You get a chance to talk about it with a bunch of Georgia fans that you know are going to be in a good mood and really happy. Like in that particular moment before the postgame show, life just doesn't get much better than that at that particular moment. And so – you know, the the stadium is emptying out, the game is over, but the loudspeaker there, the 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 you know, the speaker system is still playing music and they play uh Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks, which is a fairly classic kind of karaoke style sing along song. You don't have to have great melody to sing that song. It's really more about how loud you sing it more so than how well you sing it. And so in the moment it all kind of works together where um I'm feeling good. Uh, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not imbibing or anything. I'm just sort of high on life, right? I'm, I'm, I'm working. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hard at work here, but also feeling pretty good about it all. Easy song to sing along to. So maybe there on the sideline, for those of you on video, uh, as captured by someone in the stands who saw me, 
a little dancing, a little singing, having a good time on the field in Charlotte on Saturday night. Take a look at this. So that's Davis Holt Hines who caught that. And I, I told him on Twitter, I said, I, I didn't know anybody saw that. It's one of those things like you sort of forget there are people still in the stadium and you sort of assume that no one's looking at you anyway. But uh, Davis Holt Hines saw that. And he had a couple people reach out to him. And it's like, oh, man, you got to share more of the video. And he responded back to this. We have Davis's uh, tweet on this. And this is one of those moments where I'm thankful that even though ultimately I probably don't care all that much, but I am thankful that 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 more of that wasn't seen because like actually looking back on the night, what what Davis captured on the video for those of you watching, that's probably the tamer version than what I was doing at one point in time. And so Davis says on Twitter, he says, "I wish I had more of this video. I didn't think to do it until the end. There was definitely some moves he broke out that the world is not yet ready for." And I think that Davis is right about that. Um. Uh, I was definitely feeling it uh, after the game. Uh, you see Jeff Sintel there as well, helping us get the uh, camera ready to uh, do the show. I mean, I just feel like I'm just like right in the like. I feel like that whole stadium is there to see me at this point in time. I am just having a good time all the way around. Our buddy Mad Dog, who um is very good at like you know edits and things like that, I think he is kind of in his mind kind of envisioned me now as maybe a little bit of a Garth Brooks style persona. Can we show Mad Dog's tweet here for a second? Because uh, certainly uh, this is probably pretty appropriate. You see the famous 90s era microphone that Garth Brooks used to wear, my face over Garth Brooks. That's very good for Mad Dog all the way around there. And, yeah, I guess for a little bit on Saturday, I probably thought I was Garth Brooks. But uh, it was fun to get a big win. And however you celebrated, whatever song you sang to celebrate it, whatever dance moves you broke out, I, uh, I hope you were having a, a good time on Saturday because on the basis of that video, I certainly was. So not to be outdone by that, and I guess on oh, this is one of those days, I probably should have to give myself a golden shoe for uh, dancing around on the sideline. Our buddy Joel Sidney Kelly also dropping another terrific video. He's the one that had the great photo last week of, you know, JT Daniels obviously brings back a lot of, you know, memories of Tombstone for people because of the close resemblance of uh, JT Daniels and the... Uh, the, the you know the, the great character in uh, uh, Tombstone played by Val Kilmer and so with that in mind Joel Sidney Kelly puts together another terrific video of all of this uh, really funny stuff there with uh, Dabo Sweeney involved Kirby Smart I like the must the handlebar mustache from Kirby right there and of course good stuff from JT Daniels and uh, Joel Sidney Kelly all the way around there so uh, very very good stuff fun times this was one for the memory books here this weekend hope you enjoyed it there as well Already thinking about Jacksonville, too. Just 54 days from now, that's our Gator Hater Countdown. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window in Door of Georgia. Happy Labor Day, everybody. All right, and on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cool Down. We're not going to go super long with this today, just because we got a lot of folks got to get out of here and get on home. But uh, nonetheless, I am going to take a few of your comments. A lot of folks reacting to my rendition of friends in low places from the sidelines i'm getting a lot of that on twitter people having a good time christopher also mentioning on twitter this is at georgia mato two about jermaine johnson leaving georgia to go to florida state we could play more well after last night it's really worked out well for him and it's crazy to think how deep georgia once was at outside linebacker and really kind of still is you know losing a guy like jermaine johnson still being as effective as they were and i think i said this to somebody today may may have been on the show itself 
I mean, he may be the best defensive player in the ACC the way that he played on Saturday. Uh, go dogs at Syrup Dogs on Twitter, mentioning Glenn Schumann, Dan Landing, the work they've done cultivating those linebackers. Very uh, good stuff all the way around. Chuck Critchley reached out to me on Twitter to say I was very proud of our defense and that front seven. They're a beast, and our offense is fine. Play calling-wise, we should have just run the ball a lot more, I think. Zeus should have got the ball a lot more. They couldn't stop him, but that's a great defense we played against. And I guess that's kind of my hope. I mean, obviously I was you know disappointed that Georgia didn't play better offensively than it did. But I also think that, you know, Georgia has the competition on the defensive side of the ball probably takes a step down in weeks ahead that maybe Georgia getting healthier and everything that goes along with that uh, gets a chance to uh, kind of step up there too. Um, Brian Spears, not happy, he's at BCS Dog on Twitter with Vanderbilt, their loss to East Tennessee State. Yeah, I just think Vanderbilt's a total embarrassment. I really do. And I don't, I don't think they get dragged enough for as, being as embarrassing as they are. Um, Wyatt Fielden on the idea of JT Daniels, the respect that he showed for Clemson, and also just I thought that Daniels' words post game, he's always very, very well spoken with his words, and that was another example of that on Saturday. Uh, Brent seventy seven oh nine says uh, our five stars showed out last night. I think those recruits are going to love seeing that. Yeah, I think there are a lot of elite pass rusher type guys. You think about Mikael Williams, think about Christian Miller, think about guys like that who could see the way in which Georgia was utilizing big talents on Saturday. I think it's easy to imagine yourself in that same spot. And by the way, Big Bear Alexander was in the stadium. Uh, you think he wouldn't like to do some of the things in college that Jordan Davis was getting a chance to do? Um, Chris Moore on Twitter, uh, BBQ Enthusiast 54, showing some really good video of Jamari Salyer just working folks over on Saturday. I mean, that's a great video shot of Salyer really doing that. Uh, Sugar Ray. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of folks taking jabs at Vanderbilt because I mocked them on Twitter. Uh, Chuck Couch said Vanderbilt ruined his five-year-old's excitement twice because the game kept getting canceled. Yeah, for a lot of kids who are going to go to a game like that, it, it's super disappointing. Very, very disappointing. Uh, Jason Huggins and the subject listen to the Dog Nation post-game show. I really, really appreciate that. Um J.K. Lockhart, it was, I guess, without power. So, actually, we told you about the story about J.K. the other day. So, living in Louisiana, got power back, able to watch the uh, you know the game on Saturday. And for, so, for a lot of the folks who've been in harm's way with the weather, like our buddy J.K., we're glad that he's doing better and able to enjoy that game. Yeah, so fun comments, good stuff all the way around. Thanks for being here for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We'll talk more about where Georgia goes after the win against Clemson. We come back and see you tomorrow. Man, it feels good to be doing this after a win. So much fun. So good. Great week of shows upcoming. Fun high school game on Friday with Collins Hill in Rome. Uh, these are just these are good times these days. And so I uh, can't wait to have all of you here for it. Big thanks to R.S. Andrews. Our buddy Dari Payro from R.S. Andrews was with us for Dog Nation Invasion last week. That was so much fun to have him there in Charlotte. Uh, you know he's always going to be a part of the party, and he was there in a big way for us over the weekend. So he'll take care of you for your air conditioning, your heating, your plumbing, electric needs. If your water heater goes out in many cases, R.S. Andrews can truly replace it for you the same day it goes out. So find him online at rsandrews.com. Back here tomorrow, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window in Dorf, Georgia. Hope all of you have a very happy Labor Day holiday. Hope you're getting a chance to enjoy it. Thanks for letting our show be a part of it, and we'll see you tomorrow.